You're listening to Episode 9 of the Broken Glass Podcast, creating your own opportunities in the music industry with Sarah Martinico. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Broken Glass Podcast, and Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and New Year's celebration and that you're ready to take on 2019. I've started mapping out Broken Glass Media's 2019 calendar, and I have some exciting ideas that I can't wait to share and implement. One of the first things is a word of the year. I've seen this going around lately, choosing a word of the year. Amanda Boleyn of She Did It Her Way chose transformation for 2018. Jen Glantz of You're Not Getting Any Younger chose Go for 2019. And I thought it was a great way to recap the year and to set out an intention for 2019. The word for Broken Glass Media's 2018 was beginning. 2018 was the year I started Broken Glass Media, beginning with the idea last January, the launch of the blog in March, and the launch of the podcast and collective in September. The year was full of beginnings, of learning, testing, and implementing. And now that we've moved into 2019, I'm taking it even further, letting it breathe and expand, so it's only fitting that our word for 2019 will be growth. Keep an eye out on our social, our newsletter, and here as I grow and expand upon what we've already started. And speaking of growth, the Networking in the Music Industry Workbook is here. If you want to network with music industry professionals so you can snag your dream job, grow in your career, and overcome obstacles keeping you from making connections and reaching those goals, then sign up at brokenglassmediallc.com slash networking to receive your free networking in the music industry workbook. The workbook will be emailed to you within 24 hours, and you'll also be subscribed to the Broken Glass Media newsletter, where I'll share podcast updates, articles I find interesting and pertinent, and what's new at Broken Glass Media. That's brokenglassmediallc.com slash networking. And last but not least, don't forget to check out our Facebook community, The Broken Glass Collective, where women across the music industry are gathering to connect, collaborate, and support one another. We're growing every day, so come join us at facebook.com slash groups slash The Broken Glass Collective. Today's episode is with Sarah Martinico. She's a songwriter, marketer, soon-to-be entrepreneur, and was the first to create royalty-bearing stems, first at BMG and then at Native Instruments. We had a great discussion about building a career in the industry, how to connect the dots, finding opportunities, and even a little bit about the Music Modernization Act. Sarah provides fantastic advice for growing your own career in the industry, so let's not wait any longer. Here's Sarah. Okay, welcome to the Broken Glass Podcast, Sarah. Um, Thank you. I'm really excited to have you here. We had talked uh, a couple weeks ago, and I got to know a little about your backstory, but I thought it would be great to bring you onto the podcast and share with my listeners you know, how you got involved in the industry, what you do, um, kind of what your future looks like and, uh, and all that. So um, let's just get dive right in. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I went to 
Berkeley College of Music, and that's kind of where my music career began initially. And it was a blessing to go there because you were kind of involved with so many different aspects of the industry and you were surrounded by so many amazing cultures. Um, and there I kind of developed, you know, the direction I wanted to go in, which was audio engineering and songwriting. Um, so after I attended Berkeley College of Music, I ended up at BMG, which is technically it's an indie publisher and label, but it's like one of the biggest, it's, I think it's the fourth or third biggest, um, publisher. Um, so I was there for four years doing a lot of marketing and the marketing kind of entailed working with writers to get them stems. Um, so that was marketing your catalog, um, creating new copyrights to get the samples used. Um, also we had a lot of internal marketing for our clients, um, whether that was Quincy Jones or newer artists like Bruno Mars. Um, and then from there, I kind of did my own thing in terms of tried to do a little bit of brand partnerships and ended up creating two new products with Pro Tools, which were the first ever royalty bearing stems to be released in the history of the music industry, which were actual stems from catalogs of music. Um, and then from there, I ended up going to Native Instruments and did a similar thing as well, where I developed products with some of A-list clients, um, producers, and artists, and developed marketing campaigns with them. Okay, sounds like you definitely have a lot of uh, experience in the industry, really, really getting in there and, and working yeah. with people. Yeah. Yeah, it's been um, amazing. Yeah, so what what interested you about music? Like, what, what drew you in? What made you want to go to Berkeley? Mm -hmm. um, like a musical background or was it just something you just you really wanted to just work in the industry yeah I had been a musician for a long time since I was little um, but what really drew me in was the guitar and I used to perform out in high school and during college and that was just the most amazing feeling to be up on stage and it's almost like you're a different person on stage and that energy is just something that is unlike anything else it's like a a high of some sort. And that was a complete selling point for me. I was like, this is where I want to be. I want to write music. I want to do this, you know, throughout my whole life. And it's, it's hard to find something that makes you that happy. Um, so once I figured out what I like doing, that's when I realized, okay, I want to take this seriously and I want to go to a good school um, and make it happen the right way. So that's when I applied to Berkeley and got in right out of high school and went for four years. So you've definitely had like a, a really great background. You've been a performer. So you see in that side of it. And then you've also seen the business side. Yes. Kind of very well rounded in the industry. That's, it's really cool because some people don't have that. So it's really good to hear. Yeah. Really, you know, you can relate to people, right? Like. Exactly. And it's something I wasn't expecting to learn, you know, because I went into audio engineering at Berkeley and studied the classical theory and jazz theory at Berkeley. And when I went to BMG, it was kind of like a different fork in the road that I wasn't sure I was wanting to take. But it really helped my career because I learned so much about the way the industry ran in terms of copyrights, a lot of legal, what you need to do to protect yourself. Um, basic things like copyright registration of your songs. And it's, it's what you said. It's basically knowing a lot of things in the industry and it helps like creating relationships because people trust you and you can speak the language. Exactly. 
what was that transition like? Cause you went to Berkeley for, um, for audio mm-hmm. and to step into more of a business kind of marketing role at BMG. What, what drew you to that position, um, at, at a label publisher like that? Honestly, <laughs> I needed to get paid. Um, and I just figured it would be a start. And before I knew it, I had been there a year and, it was interesting because I wasn't necessarily doing any audio work in the beginning. And eventually I started doing a lot of audio work, like audio editing. I did some sync edits at BMG. Um, and then eventually, you know, it developed into other things, you know, breaking down stems and creating the packages I did for Pro Tools. But I think what was important was taking an opportunity and not just seeing it for what it is on paper, because no matter where you are, you can connect the dots to anything. Um, and at the end of the day, it is a music company. So there's audio all around you and people need things done, you know, and it just opened my eyes. I'm like, no matter what you're trying to do in the music industry, like just keep your eyes open. There's different options everywhere. Right. Yeah. And so you'd started out marketing and then you kind of worked your way into being the first, creating the first royalty bearing stems. And what was that process like? Was it something that like you had been assigned or was it something that you kind of took on yourself and you you started to create? Mm -hmm. I had been working a lot with our writers to kind of just put, you know, new ideas in their lap. So like the copyrights um, that we owned, I wanted to get them to these writers. And I had an idea when I was at the audio engineering society, which was in LA a few years ago. And I just, a light bulb went off and I was like, what if, we somehow got approval to, you know, sell some of these stems and sell them through Pro Tools or through another company and set up automatic sample clearance, which has never been done before. It's so difficult because of um, the copyrights and getting approval. So we found some ways to do it and some catalogs that we were able to do it with. And we basically, my boss and I, started going to all the different departments and asking them what would we have to do to get this done. And we got um, the mechanical licensing team just to kind of check off and say, okay, this will work under these circumstances. And then we had to put a, like a clause in a PDF with the product saying like, if you're going to release this product, then you're going to have to send it into BMG from automatic sample clearance um, it was a lot of different things, but it was a long process. <laughs> it was about like nine months, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I, I know like a little bit about what stems are, but, um, for those of my listeners who don't, can you kind of just give like a basic kind of description of, of stems and then, sure. and then are these stems that are from songs that have been like, you know, they're on radio or and have been released or these ones that have been created mm-hmm. specifically? For a specific reason. Right. So my mom always asked that question. She's like, I don't get it. <laughs> and I always tell her, like, mom, like, if you're listening to Barry Manilow or the Beatles or Aerosmith, think about the actual tracks that were recorded, you know, like the kick, you know, the snare drum, the hi-hat, the guitar. I'm like, they all came from somewhere, like the actual individual tracks. Um, so that's the way I try to break it down to them. Um, and what I was using for the stems for the products was a lot of the dry stem. So when you say dry, that means there's no reverb, there's no compression, no EQ. 
Um, and sometimes when you get really old stems or they're taken from tapes, you don't have an option and everything is already printed on it. So that means the compression's on there, the reverb. So you kind of have to use what you have. Right. Yeah. So these are all from, from songs that have been written and released. Because I know there's also stems that people create just, yeah. as, just yeah. as a stem. But you really worked on ones that had already been created for a song and then put the royalties into that. Yeah. Like one of the songs um, everyone knows is I Like to Move It, which was a big yeah. electronic <laughs> song from the 90s. Yeah. Um, and it was in Madagascar. Um, so that that's the only thing I think of when I hear it now is uh, <laughs> little whatever he, I can't remember what he is, but just yes. with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was from the catalog Strictly Rhythm, which was one of the biggest electronic catalogs or labels in the 1990s, and that kind of um, really introduced electronic music more so into the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Well, that, that's really cool that you kind of spearheaded that. And um, now is for with that, like, did that move on to other labels? Like, did they kind of, and publishers, did they take that on too? Or is really BMG really the only one that's still working on that? So far, I think BMG is the only one because we did two products. And I know they had plans to do other ones because I kind of set up the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a company reach out to me when I was at BMG asking kind of how I did it. And I just said, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't seen anyone else do it. When I was at Native Instruments, I had a call with Universal about it. Um, And I had a call with Concord Music about it. Um, And they had identified a couple catalogs they probably could do it with, but nothing ever happened um, because it's so difficult to do. And it's very time consuming. Right. And then all the legal behind it, you know, all the yes. licensing and the copyrights and, and everything I can imagine. Exactly. Exactly. But it's worth it. It's it's cool to see things repurposed, but doing it respectfully to the artist, of course. Right. Yeah. Not just copying and, and <laughs> putting it out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that that's, I think that's really cool that you really, you know, took the initiative on that and. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of, you know, our producer listeners and and songwriter listeners could, you know, look up to. And then you went on to Native Instruments and you said you did a lot of kind of partnerships there? Um, Yes, partnerships with like producers, artists and songwriters. That was my main function. What did that kind of look like? You know, were you, because I know Native Instruments, it's, you know, kind of soundboards and and all of that, right? Yes. Um, So they have a lot of outboard gear. So it's drum machines called Machina. Uh, different keyboards. They also have a lot of sound packages complete. So they're in the digital world as well. They have the sounds.com website, which is similar to Splice, where they provide loops and samples, loops and one shots, basically. Um, that's a subscription-based platform. So they're they're dabbling in a lot right now. And then so you would just kind of work um, with different artists and producers kind of to bring them into Native Instruments and, and create those? Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, basically my job was to, you know, if we had any existing clients, you know, to get them to deliver packages Um, and the packages would entail, you know, if they were loops or they were one shots and they would be specific genres usually. Um, And then we would kind of work on marketing campaigns for that, whether it be videos or social media. Um, I also worked 
kind of on the opposite side going after new clients. So whether they were kind of mid-level in their career or more A-list people, we would try to bring them in. Um, and it was so much fun just working with them and hearing their sounds because a lot of them have done amazing things in the industry. And just to hear them, you know, doodle around and just like what's coming out was just amazing. Yeah, it's always really cool. I know when I go to NAM, I try to catch at least some kind of artist somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to just see people because I'm I'm very much on the business end and I can play, I can read music, but I'm not that like I can't just off, you know, off the top of my head do something, you know, and it, I think that's yeah. really cool to see that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting because you had so many amazing players and some some of my clients just had such a hard time with it, you know, and I didn't push them too hard. I was like, you know what, maybe, you know, just take your time, you know, and then once they sent me what they had. I was like, this is gold. I was like, why are you like questioning yourself? You know, they're just not used to this way of producing music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm always amazed by by people who can play like that. <laughs> um, you did that at Need of Instruments. And then what was what was kind of after that? Like, what's your next step? And, and what are you kind of looking looking towards doing now? Um, so right now I'm I'm doing a couple things. So one is developing a music consulting company, which probably won't take flight till 2019. Um, so I've been working on that with my partner and doing a lot of songwriting, which I I love, you know, and my intention right now, since I have more free time with the holidays is, you know, to really dive in and, you know, songwrite and also get it recorded. You know, I don't want things to just sit around, but um, just to stay active in the industry and take meetings. I've have some clients I've been meeting with and just trying to connect the dots. So if people need music, you know, I'll bring in some clients of mine to help out or they need help with copyright stuff, you know, just, you know, keep moving, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, what's your songwriting process like? So I know we have um, some songwriters that listen in um, mm-hmm. and you had mentioned um, to me that you've worked um, with Grammy uh, nominated and Grammy winning producers and mm-hmm. artists. So kind of what's what's your process and then what's it like to sit in a room with with those kind of people who have that kind of notoriety? Right. I think it depends on who you're working with and also what style of music you're creating. It for me, I really like to start on an instrument. Um since my instrument's guitar, that's something I'm very comfortable with or a piano. Um usually messing around with riffs or Chords, sometimes I have a hard time working with chords if it's just on the guitar because the voicings are so limited, which means there's only so many notes you can play at once. Um, So if I'm with a writer or sorry, a vocalist, um, he or she will kind of, you know, ramble out some ideas um, and then we kind of go from there. But usually lyrics are last. Um, Usually we try to get some sort of melody going unless someone has a pre-existing idea Um, and depending on the person I'm working with, we try to just jot down, not a demo, but like a a bed, like a track, just so we can hear kind of what we're working with to see if we like it. Um, And that's kind of the flow. Like we don't force anything. Like if we need to eat, we, we eat, you know, (laughs) we'll have a drink, we'll take a break, you know, it's, it shouldn't be pushed. Um, You shouldn't be uncomfortable. You shouldn't be tired to where you're going to fall asleep. It's all about like, you know, going with the flow. Um, but in terms of like working with some of these people, like I think my rule is if I don't vibe with them and I don't feel like they have good intentions and I won't write with them, um, just like I probably wouldn't 
associate myself with them. Um, but it's been amazing because no matter what, they've challenged me and they've pushed me. And I think vice versa a little bit because a lot of times I'm entering a space or a genre that I'm not always used to. So it's two different worlds and I'm learning a lot. Right. And, and you, you know, you get all these experience, right? Like they've been doing that, like that's their career. So you, you can learn from them a lot, I, I would think, right? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. that's the fun of it, I think. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping, it's still, I guess, related to songwriting. Um, the Music Modernization Act was passed um, and signed by uh, the president mm-hmm. uh, last month or October. And I know it's been very, very positive for songwriters. Have, have you kind of looked into that at all? Or do you, do you know much about it? And, and what kind of impact it would have on you as a songwriter? You know what? I know a little bit about it. Um, not enough to speak on it, but I know it's, I just, I thought I'd just bring it up. I just, (laughs) no, I know it's, it's really good, especially for, um, the songwriters. I don't know how to properly say this, but like the older songwriters, um, and they get paid more on online platforms. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know how to phrase it. Someone's going to call me and be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, and the royalty rates are, are better, of course. Um, but the one thing about that is I've been having a very hard time finding um, good information on it because a lot of um, websites or magazines are just very generic. They're like, oh, yeah, this is great for the songwriters and this is great for so-and-so. But it's like, I want to know the exact process, like how it's happening. Um, like really specific. Yeah, yeah. Like I got an email from SiriusXM maybe a month ago saying your monthly subscription is going to go up because we're adjusting our rates. Um, so I'm curious as to what it's going to go up to. They didn't even say, I think it's going to start January 1st. Think about that. Cause they're the ones that are footing the bill. Right? Yeah. Like they're, yeah. They're covering the, the MLC, I think music licensing collective. Hmm. Uh, I think they're funding all of that. So yeah. yeah to see the kind of the reaction from that side Mm -hmm. so no it's been very positive for you know songwriters and and that and people have been very happy about it but yeah and the thing is is we have to get paid more it's scary because as an artist you have to get x amount of strings to get like ten dollars right and it was a lot to get ten (laughs) dollars yeah and you shouldn't put all this work it just doesn't balance out it's i don't even know what year you would equivalent it to like oh is it from the 1970s like what they're getting paid out i don't know Um, but I'm happy that change is happening and it's kind of, part of me thinks that the government shouldn't be involved, but they have to be, I guess, to get the laws in order. Yeah. But I was too, I think when it's really protecting, you know, Mm -hmm. protecting people, Yeah, uh, you kind of, I guess, in some ways compare it to like, I guess the FDA, you know, like, (laughs) it's very different, but at the same time, like there's regulations and that kind of stuff yeah yeah i think a lot of us our concern is do they get what's going on because you don't want someone making a decision on something when they don't understand it right yeah Um, we just want the best thing for our community especially if that's your career like i know you you do other 
you have other things going on, but it's, it's still part of your career is, is writing songs. So definitely you, know, you, want that, you want to be paid fairly for it. So, Oh um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so throughout your, you know, career from college on through uh, BMG and native instruments, and now kind of entering into your own sort of sphere of, of working kind of for yourself and launching a, a new company. Um, have you come across any kind of resistance, um, you know, just as, as a female in the industry, have you seen anything like that or have you been supported kind of the whole way, which I I ask this question a lot Mm -hmm. and I, I get some people who they've had, you know, support from day one and then other people who really kind of struggled. So what's kind of been your experience, um, as a female in the industry? You know, in the beginning, when I came to LA, I wasn't experienced, um, really searching for the right opportunity. I think that's when I saw a lot of people who were questioning me, um, but I don't know if they're questioning me from a gender basis, but I have seen a lot of that in the industry. But when I do identify it, like I have a choice to walk away, you know, it's, it's a waste of time to deal with it. But also at the same time, no one's going to treat me that way. Being in the industry for so long, I'm used to being around a lot of males, you know, to me, it's just like, I don't know, drinking water. Like it's just normal, you know? So for someone to treat me a different way, that really stands out. And I've seen it once in a while. Um, I just don't tolerate it, you know? And it's unfortunate when it happens, but I think when someone treats you a certain way, like people, the word will spread, you know? Right. There's no reason to keep allowing it to happen. No. And I think that's great that you really, you know, stood up for yourself and, and, you've been able to, you know, have such a, a, a great career, you know, and have the support that you have. So that's yeah. Definitely- and you know what, it's, it's kind of the same way. It's not just with the way men treat women. It's even if women treat me a certain way, it's the same way. It's like, you don't allow someone to cross that line with you, you know? Right. So no, and I, I don't think anybody should, when you hear these stories, it's like, I guess somebody wanted it that bad that they kind of let it happen, but you just hate mm. to see it. No, it's like I, I just it, what's I think it's great too. like there's been a lot of groups that have come out of, you know, what's been going on. Um, I, I know today I just saw that she is the music launched, um, which is another you know female group. And actually, they created a database um, where you can go in and say what you you work in, um, what your skills are. And, and I haven't dug too much into that, but. I know there's also the NAM Foundation launched um, Smart Smart Women in Music. Oh, uh, cool. That started, I think, earlier this year. And then there's another group, Women in Music. And then you had mentioned to me earlier um, Sound Girls, which I'm going to look into that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have two. I, I started a, a Facebook group, um, Broken Glass Collective, to kind of bring women together and, and support each other. Um, how do you see groups like this impacting women in the industry? I think it's amazing um, that it's even happening because what, (laughs) like 10 years ago, I definitely would have not thought that far along. But I think if people actually engage, it could be amazing. Like it just takes a second to create a profile and to reach out and say, hey, like I need a producer or let's meet for coffee. Um, It's just it's just about taking that first step and connecting. I don't know. I think it's great. Because it's hard to identify who's who. Like if you just see them, you don't know when someone's like a producer or a singer, you know, by looking at them. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And it's too, it kind of creates, like you said, you know, 
it's like more opportunities for networking, right? Like definitely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually just looking at this, the She Is The Music group right now. And it, it's, a, it's a database of women creators and a mentorship program. Mm. Uh, so I think that's kind of going to be a good a step in the right direction. I did notice that a lot of like the skills that they had listed were there wasn't much for like the business side, but like mm-hmm. songwriters, producers, if you work on, you know, tour, if you, you know, do live. And I think that's, it's, it's such a great opportunity for women, I think, to really kind of get together and oh yeah, um, and, yeah. and share that. So yeah, uh, I think it's awesome. I love it all, and that's <laughs> that type of thing. It's just it's so much fun. Like yeah. you can't go there and have a bad time for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, and 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 two, just to kind of share our stories, I think as well. Um, yeah, and you feel more comfortable because like going to Berkeley, that was so intimidating, and it wasn't just because it was mostly men, but it was just a talent level, you know? So it's nice to be surrounded by women to start. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's nice. I wish I had that. I was actually going to ask you, um, you know, Berkeley's in Boston and it's, it's not typically, you know, Boston's not typically known as one of the major music centers. Um, what was that like, you know, attending school in a city like Boston? Like, was there a lot of opportunity there? Um, do you mean like for careers after college? Well, I mean, just during school, you okay. know, during college, like, you know, or, or after, because it's, you know, like it's, it's just not one of the cities you think of, but yet there's a really big, well-known mm-hmm. music school there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a great city to go to school in. I loved it because there was so much history there. There was a lot of history with music. Um, you had Boston Symphony Hall down the street. Um, you had so many music schools as well. So there was a great sense of collaboration. Um, and it was easy to go to Emerson. And I know a lot of the students had to go to Emerson for film scoring collabs. Um, but in terms of careers in Boston for music, I'm not sure that it was a lot. It was abundant. I know there were a couple studios there. Um, a lot of gigs for like orchestra, like live music. Probably a lot more of the, you know, the Boston symphony and those kinds of. Yeah, exactly. But it's a great city. Yeah, I've been there once. It was it was beautiful. Um, yeah. I went in November though, so it was a little little chilly for me. <laughs> yeah, not uh, the best even, time. Even coming from New Jersey, it was a little chilly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, kind of looking forward, is there anything? I know we talked. You said you were looking into launching the the consulting company um, in 2019. Um, is there anything else you're kind of looking forward to the next year? you know, two, five years, um, you know, Mm. career wise and and that? I don't know. I mean, I'm always looking to grow and develop every single day. Um, I have career expectations that I want to hit in the next couple of years, you know, which is, you know, be successful in the company, um, hopefully the consulting company and really grow that. But also I would love to stay in music tech, um, like native instruments, similar to that. Um, Because I just love working in that industry and just being creative and hands-on and seeing, you know, all the changes within the industry and working with the artists and the clients. That's so much fun because it's so passionate and creative. So definitely going to stay in the music industry, but um, definitely want to keep revving up. (laughs) (laughs) 
my what I do with with the Broken Glass Media with Broken Glass Collective podcast and that and blog um, is I like to provide a lot of resources for women who may not have had like the opportunity that you and I have had. You know, we both had the opportunity to go to music school and and to learn and and then be immersed in the industry. Um, but there are people out there who maybe don't live in the major cities and don't have the chance to go. Um, are there any resources that you would recommend for other women who are starting in the industry? I don't know if that's books, podcasts, you know, now we have a lot online, um, you know, online courses and that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you would really, um, as far as resources that you'd recommend for them? That's a really hard one because when I came out here like four and a half, five years ago, I felt like there weren't really any resources um, and that's kind of something that my partner, Lauren, and I are trying to, you know, connect the dots on, like to help people who are moving out here or they're redirecting their career in a different route. Um, but I think the best way to get started here is to really jump into an alumni association or go to any networking events, because that's where you're really going to develop relationships and learn. For everyone, it's different. So you can't go by the book. Um, right. But the best way is just to get out there and dive in. And if something doesn't seem right, then maybe it's not right. But give everything an opportunity because it doesn't always have to be what it seems to be, you know, just connect the dots as you go. Right. And I think cities like, you know, Los Angeles and L.A., there's a lot of different networking opportunities. Um, I know I'm a part of a, a networking group um, that's actually here and in New York, and they do a lot of creative based um, mm-hmm it's, it's brunch work. So we do brunch and then we have someone from a, a company come in and, and talk to us and we ask questions. Yes. So, Those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun and, and it's been great because they've actually brought a lot of music people in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a couple of times where it's been, you know, not necessarily music based, but still entertainment based, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really cool. But yeah, yeah. So really kind of connecting with people. Yeah. But that was a really good one that you mentioned. Cause they also have, other um, groups have other events going on, like AIMP. Um, there's a, a CCC. There's a lot of different groups. I'm sure, like the Grammys, the Recording Academy has some, but like all these music companies have events. Some of them are free, and some of them do cost quite a bit. Um, so that's the only downside to those. I probably wouldn't even go because <laughs> some of them are really pricey. But yeah. just jump in and try to see what they have going on. Those are so valuable. So much fun. And there's free food sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go. And drink sometimes too. No? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we've had mimosas a couple times at brunch work. So it's been, and actually, I think we had a whiskey tasting too. Whoa. <laughs> it's been really cool, yeah. Um, uh, that group. Um, and then I guess that kind of falls in with, with my next question for you, which is, um, kind of what your your best piece of advice for women um, who want to enter the music industry, I guess, kind of in, in your area or just in general, too. It's, I mm-hmm. guess, probably networking, right? That's really... Yeah. Um, it's hard. There's a couple things. So I think number one is learn as many aspects of the industry as you can and a lot of the music business because that will really help just accelerate your career and really help define which way you're going. Um, number two is connect the dots. Like I've said that a couple of times already, but like I was at a music publisher coming from an audio engineering background. I ended up, you know, making my way around and doing audio stuff still. Um, number three is 
in LA in the music industry, you can't compare yourself to other people because everyone else is on a different path, different experiences. So don't even start <laughs> comparing yourself to people. You know, you can say, oh, I want to be a Hans Zimmer. I want to be this. That's great, but everyone has their different paths. So don't be disappointed when you're not at the same point as someone else. I think that's great. Thank you. I wish I knew that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. You know, like that's something that I've come to realize as I've done the podcast and launched that and finding my own niche in that. And it's, it's something that, you know, I wish when I was in undergrad a long time ago <laughs> that mm-hmm. I wish I'd really known. It's like, oh, I'm going to graduate college and then I'm going to go work for a record label. And, you know, it was just very much like I wanted to do what everybody else did, but it kind of took, you know, me really kind of launching more into entrepreneurship to really realize I don't have to be doing the same thing that everybody else does, you know, and, and right. kind of take my own path with, mm-hmm. with my, you know, music and my passion. So yeah, that's great. I'm, I love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, Be patient. Yes, that's definitely. Yeah. And lots of coffee. Yes, (laughs) Yes, that's for sure. We actually at at my office have an espresso machine now. Oh my gosh. I have a Keurig, a regular coffee pot and an espresso machine in my kitchen. So (laughs) if anyone needs anything. Caffeinated. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have it in our sales department, so it keeps them. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> selling. Sometimes it doesn't work, and then you're just like, maybe I just should go sleep. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely been some days where I've just been like, okay, I I just know, <laughs> just go home and go to bed. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, kind of wrapping things up a little bit here. Um, do you have any favorite books or podcasts or I guess even, you know, artists in that that really, really inspire you and, and keep you motivated mm. towards your goal? Um, there's a book that's really good, but it's not motivational. <laughs> it's, um, I forget what it's called. All You Need to Know About the Music Business is really good. Um, it's a heavy read, but it's, if you need just small parts of it, you can kind of dabble um, I don't know. No podcast. I'm like music podcasts I can think of. Um, I'm just kind of anything really. Like I know for me, I listen to a lot of entrepreneurship podcasts. Mm, um, okay. What was the last one you mentioned? Oh, artists. Yeah. Or artists. Or, yeah. Just kind of what, what motivates, keeps you motivated. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like stuck. <laughs> I need some coffee. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, you know, what keeps me motivated is taking time to record like songs mm-hmm. and taking time away from myself and not doing too much. Um, I think it's just really good to recharge. So whether it's tuning into your favorite artists, I really like older stuff like Motown, classic rock, some blues um, that just gets me going again, like gets my creativity back in check. Yeah, because I think in our industry, and I've talked about this kind of on other episodes and, and in, in in our collective group, there's, you get so overwhelmed, right? Like mm-hmm. there's just so much going on. And, and, you know, I know for me, I work full time, and then I'm doing the podcast and the blog and everything. So I think really just taking time to just pause, you know, and then just take care of yourself 
is super important, mm-hmm. especially, you know, and now we're in December and it's, <laughs> it's, you know, kind of madness with, with travel and, and, you know, the holidays and everything. So yeah, you know, I think it's very important that, you know, when you're starting to feel overwhelmed, that you just kind of take a step back and, and like you said, you know, listen to, to something for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a podcast that I listen to, um, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's about relationships. And I think it's really important. It's it's about any type of relationship. They talk about friendships, business relationships, et cetera. Um, but like how to interact and how to get the best out of someone or when to walk away from a situation. And I, I found that really valuable because in the music industry, sometimes you don't know when you should move forward with a partner or step away or how to read a situation. Um and I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's a relationship something podcast friends. I don't know what it's called. I'll have to find it. Yeah, that's super important, especially since, like you said, this industry is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Always. So, all right. So just to finish it out here, um, where can my my listeners find you? Um, do you have uh, you know, Instagram or LinkedIn or anything that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just by my name, Sarah Martinico. And then on Instagram, my, uh, what do you call it? User ID, or you can follow me at I am Sarah, or no, sorry. I am Martinico. All right. I'll add those to show notes. So uh, we can have, uh, if people have any questions for you, they can reach out to you. Yeah, of course. That would be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Mm, Thank you. Hey there, listeners. We're accepting submissions for podcast guests. We're looking for women who are building or have built a career in the music industry, who are passionate, and who can provide advice to those in the beginning of their career or who are looking to pivot. If you think you or someone you know would be a great fit for the podcast, then visit our contact page at brokenglassmediallc.com to submit yourself or someone else to be a guest. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.